Father, we thank you for your love towards us, and I thank you for uh, Daryl this morning and his choice of the, the music and the team that backed them, Lord. Uh, it, it was really a great uh, entry into this message, and we just pray that you will just somehow open up our hearts this morning. Lord, we are a, uh, in, when it comes to church people, we're a gospel-saturated people. And somehow, dear Lord God, we want you to help us, Lord, to somehow help make this word come alive, which many have read over and over and over again. But uh, just reading the word alone is not enough. We need, as, as Pastor Joanna said, we need to apply the truths of our word, of the word, and live it out daily. So, Lord, I just pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would minister to your people this morning and help me, Lord, to have clarity of thought and of speech this morning. And we'll give you the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were here the last Sunday of uh, 2017, we uh, preached on making a course correction in your life. And uh, if you were here, you realized what we were talking about, that followers of Jesus Christ must know and do what the Bible says. If you want to uh, live a life of purpose and focus as a Christian and of joy and happiness, you need not only to read the Bible, but follow it. This morning, we are starting with what I hope, uh, and what I say uh, the, the, that I hope is because uh, this is almost like the first part of a, of a series of messages to help us in the course correction process. I'm assuming uh, that maybe that I will be preaching some other time during this year. Pastor Bruce hasn't said I wasn't, so I'm assuming that I will sometime. So I will continue on with this message, uh, and I've called it, uh, this series called Inbox. And uh, maybe we can get the first slide up there. Um, and some might be thinking, what are you talking about? How many here this morning have ever received an email? Anybody? Okay, there's a few of you. Most of you, matter of fact. Uh, for those who don't, though, we, we, you're included in this. This title is still relevant to you because you will receive mail in a box at the end of your driveway, or to Houston, or at some Canada Post super box. When I say inbox to those who have a computer, you understand I'm talking about a digital file folder or maybe a digital uh, file cabinet, if you will, in, on, your, uh, on your device. And, and in that folder or cabinet is where your email comes for you to read, just like you would the paper mail that the, well, now we call it snail mail, that kind of the post drops off. What mail you read and I read is totally up to us. And for some of the mail that we receive, it really doesn't make one bit of difference. It's not going to affect our lives in any way at all. We can just ignore it. There is other mail that if we ignore it, it brings consequences. For example, if a bill was due and you just ignored the bill, maybe your hydro would be cut off. Or a court summons. That could get you in trouble if you decided not to answer it. You know what I mean. And the Bible is like mail you have received in your personal inbox. It is not the only mail, but could I be bold enough to say this morning that it is the most important mail you will ever receive in this life. Just like I do with much of my email or my mail I receive in my inbox, I delete it, move it to the trash. You could do, uh, do and people that are, do the digital stuff, you understand what I mean by trash. It's not a regular garbage can. You could do the same with the Bible. But eventually there will be consequences. As someone said, we can freely pick our decisions. You can choose what you will do, but we can't pick the consequences. Now, could I say something else to the CFC family today? 
And I, I, I put it on the board because I want you to read it and think about it. If the only time, could we bring that one up? If the only time you check your inbox is when you come into this building, you will never, you will never be a strong, mature follower of Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is if you, the only time you get anything from the Word is when you attend this community of believers on a Sunday, then you're never going to be a strong, mature follower of Jesus Christ. Someone said, and especially for those who are trying to grow in the Lord and be strong in God, someone said, God cannot be the source of your strength if the world is the source of your standards. The Bible must be the source of your standards. See, the, the desire of every Bible-believing leader, and especially the, the pastoral staff and the elders of this church, is that everyone that uh, would learn to feed themselves in addition to what they receive when we come together like this, and we're supposed to do that, the Bible tells us, in community, if you, if you, if you don't read your Bible yourself, you'll never learn to feed yourself. You must read the Bible yourself. The Bible contains the riches or the wealth we need to grow and flourish in this really messed up, broken world. Now, when I say wealth, I'm not speaking of winning the lotto type of wealth. There are still people after all this time, who, tr who still really believe that to be truly happy and content, money and lots of it is really the wealth we need. Some people believe this even though we have seen really wealthy people who live miserable lives and even take their own lives. So I'm not speaking of, of money today, but I, would you allow me to take a little detour before I get into my text, just for seeing as the, uh, the, the start of the new year and we want to, to do a course correction in our lives. Let's just look at God's perspective on money and wealth for about two minutes, maybe three. See, we're not saying material wealth is wrong. Far from it. The Bible doesn't even say that. Matter of fact, in 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 10, if you really want to just I'll take a little piece out of that, it says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Notice what it says. The love of money is the root of all evil. What does that mean? Here's a quick test I found to see if you really love money. It should be on the board, on the screen. You are consumed with making it. You are consumed with multiplying it. And you are consumed with keeping it. That word consumed means it's constantly on your mind. Remember the, the warning Jesus gave one rich man in Luke 12. I just want to read that, and then we'll start getting into the other stuff I want to talk about. And I, I really don't even understand why I'm going into this a little bit this morning, but I, I, it must be that somebody needs to hear this this morning. Beware, Jesus said, guard against every kind of greed, because life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. He said, a rich man at a fertile farm that produced fine crops. We could even put in a rich man at a business that was doing really good. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. Then I'm going to sit back. I'm going to say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said, you fool, you will die this very night, and then you will get, then who will get everything you, are, you work for? Now notice this last part of the verse. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth. Now it didn't say, there's not a period there. Okay, it says, 
but not have a rich relationship with God. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to make money or you shouldn't try to save any money, but if you don't have a rich relationship with God, it says you're a fool to go after the money. Because see, your rich relationship with God will decide how you, what you do with the wealth that God enables you to make. Here's a statement that puts riches into perspective. Mankind must connect to the God of all riches to truly enjoy and to avoid being controlled and owned by material wealth. Okay, that's sermon number one. You ready for sermon number two? If you're wondering where we're going in the Bible today, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. And that's where I would like to do, Lord willing, uh, this year, if, if we get this year to do it, uh, the very first message in your inbox is called Source Focused. Source Focused. This is part one. Let's pretend this letter called Ephesians has come to your inbox, my inbox, and now we're going to finally sit down and read it. What is it saying to us? Let, let me give some background into these people that Paul was writing to, uh, this valuable letter to. Matter of fact, they were called Ephesians because the city was called Ephesus. The Ephesians understood great wealth, and I'm reading just a little historical excerpt about them, okay? Ephesus was a city with marble streets. <laughs> No asphalt for them. Marble streets, mosaic sidewalks, a massive temple that was considered one of the wonders of the Greek world, a busy port, a popular athletic arena, one of the finest libraries in the first century, villas that were filled with artwork, tapestries, silks, and exotic birds and animals. Even today, the Colosseum at Ephesus is considered one of the finest performing centers in the world. Caravans from the east routinely uh, entered their journeys at Ephesus, and ships from the Mediterranean brought their riches from Egypt and Rome, Greece, Spain, and northern Africa. Anything of natural wealth that a person might desire, you could find it and enjoy it to the excess in Ephesus, end of quote. So these people knew more about wealth than we could ever imagine. Maybe that's why Paul wrote this letter. So he comes along, he tells them about riches that they knew nothing about. No amount of money could ever purchase it. He's introducing them to the riches of heaven, and that is what the letter of Ephesus is all about. And if you want something to change the course of your life, read and study Ephesus. It, is, it talks about many things, and we're, we hopefully we'll go through them, even about your family and husbands and wives, whatever. If I offered to give Jordan being an accountant, he would be interested in the figures, a check for $10,000. No strings attached. You know one of the first things he would want to know? First of all, if I'm capable of giving it. <laughs> if I have that amount that is on the check in my account, I, I would say he probably, I didn't have this in my notes, he'd probably want to know if Ann's okay with it too. He wouldn't want a rubber check, you know, if I don't have it in my account. We as believers know in whom we have believed. We know our God is able to provide all that he has promised. And this is where Paul starts, with being source-focused, knowing who's giving all this spiritual wealth. So uh, but if you want to divide into points, i got two points for you this morning. The God of everything. Ephesians 1 to 3, chapter 1, verse, first three verses. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. 
I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. I believe that this letter was meant for all who love Jesus everywhere, but first written to the Christians of this particular church in Ephesus. By the way, this letter was also written from a Roman prison. This letter, he said, is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people. He could very well put in our names there. I'm writing to Evan Bruce one of God's holy people at Christian Fellowship Church in New Glasgow, who's a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, I could mention other names all throughout the church. Uh, and, and a follower of Jesus Christ. That's a usual designation for Christians in the New Testament. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Although we can focus on those two words in the third verse, blessed us, Paul's not really emphasizing us in this particular area. Paul is, notice if you read it, Paul has mentioned God or Jesus eight times in these three verses. The focus, we need to focus on the source. We need to trust the source. We need to expect the blessing that comes from the source. The foundation for everything we believe as believers is found in God. Someone said he is not frail, he's not impoverished, he's not impotent, he has every source at his disposal, both things seen and unseen. Nothing lies beyond his ownership. Here's the truth. We don't have to see sunny skies. I love sunny skies. But we don't have to have everything going great. We don't have to have millions of dollars and everything perfect according to our standards. What makes an optimistic, a positive, and maturing follower of Jesus is knowing who the source is for everything that you have. This is the God we are serving. Saints at Christian Fellowship Church this morning, we have everything to be excited about. Yes, the world is in a mess. And some people say, you know, it's like it's going to hell in a basket. Well, you know, our job is to get them out of the basket, like my wife talked about saving that wood. Our job is to live lives that want other, make people jealous. And say, you know what, I don't have to live this way. Look at these guys. They seem to be happy about something. What is it? And they all want to, want to know about the God we serve. Even the gifts that you have. Whether they're personal gifts, like I said, that people can are good with their hands, or, you know, plumbers, electricians, carpenters, and we could go on and on and on. It's just things you do good at, uh, whether it's your monetary gifts. They've been imparted to you for your use. But we must seek God for wisdom in their use, usage. God is the source of everything good that comes to his family. Believers get the privilege, you know, we have certain privileges because we're part of God's family that others will never have. Believers get the privilege to know God in an intimate family way. In your family here this morning, there are things that you and your family share that nobody else gets to know or share. It's family stuff. Unbelievers will never know and understand unless they get to know the source. We used to sing a song years ago that said, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Joint heirs with Jesus. It goes on and on. And if I could sing, I'd sing it for you and I would amaze you, but I don't sing. Sometimes we think that because our Heavenly Father is the source of all spiritual blessings, that everything should be available to us when and whenever we want it. Let me say that again. 
Sometimes we think that because our Heavenly Father is the source of all spiritual blessings, then everything should be available to us when and whenever we want it. Not so. As a father of three children, I never gave my children whatever they wanted, when they wanted. Sometimes there are spiritual blessings withheld because of character flaws that need to be corrected or we're just not mature enough yet to handle. Imagine if when my son or daughter were 10 years old, I gave them the keys to the car and said, go for a drive, I'm your father, and everything I have is yours. You would say, you're irresponsible, you're a rotten dad, you probably call the social services. You don't really care about your children's well-being or other people either. See, we need to understand that our Heavenly Father, this about our Heavenly Father, or we'll get angry and despondent and discouraged when we don't receive the promises of the Word every time we want them or think we deserve or need them. I like this quote, which I read some time ago. If our faith in God's wisdom to direct our lives is greater than our personal agenda, we will hold on tenaciously to our faith in His promise. We'll grow up and we'll wait patiently for the blessings to come. Listen to that again. If our faith in God's wisdom to direct our lives is greater than our personal agenda, and we all got personal agendas, we will hold on tenaciously, stubbornly to our faith in His promises. We'll grow up as Christians, and we'll wait patiently for the blessings to come. When we really begin to see the God, see who God is, and, and, and He becomes great and awesome to us, not in just words we sing in a song, but inside of our lives, then the challenges we face will, be, will seem like enormous giants sometimes. They'll wither and become microscopic in comparison to His awesome greatness, because we serve an awesome God. It's not just a song, but an awesome... He is awesome. He's a great God. And that is why we're told to worship and praise God repeatedly in Scripture. Because when we truly worship, it is amazingly how these personal giants can become defeated in the light of the source of all our blessings. This is, this is not some self-help program, but a refocusing on, what, on who wants to be our source for 2018. Someone said a while ago, and I think I might have already said it, I, I wrote it down. I just keep it in, in front of my mind to remind myself. You can face the facts. I mean, in other words, the truth, what's going on in your life, if you keep focused on his face. You could say if you keep focused on the source of your faith. And another area in this would be believing that God actually wants to bless us. And that's, we, we struggle with that sometimes. Believing that God actually wants to bless us. There, there's a scripture that, that really came fresh to me a few years ago. Hebrews 11, in the last part of verse 6, it says, Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. We, most believers understand that. Yeah, I, I, you know, you've got to believe that God exists. But the last part is, is just as much strength in it. It says, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. We must not only believe God exists, but God wants to sincerely, and He wants to reward those that sincerely seek Him. God's desire, and I, I think I put that quote on, on, the, on the screen, God's desire to bless us is greater than our faith to believe. Let that sink into your own heart in your situation and the giant you're facing right now. God's desire to bless you is greater than your faith to believe. He really does want to bless you. He really does. You will say, oh, yeah, but I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and I don't really have much influence. 
God so loved the world. It doesn't say God only so loved the people that maybe society might think is the elite or whatever. God so loved everybody, everybody, and he wants to bless you. Jesus didn't seem way down, as you read the gospel, with this belief problem that God wants to, 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 to reward and, and, and to bless. He both received and used what God provided for him. Not only is God the source of all the blessings, the, the blessings that this passage teaches us, number two, the deal has already been signed. Before we look at verse 3, and let's read verse 2 again in just a minute. See, from my limited understanding, for something to be really legal, it requires a couple of signatures. Look at verse 2. May the God of our Father, that's one, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. The deal has already been signed. All praise to the Father, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because, very important, we are united with Christ. The signer is so important, is it? I mean, it wasn't uh, Warren Buffett who's a billionaire or and I could be naming other few names that are really rich people. They're not the ones that signed this. They're not the ones that said this is the way. It's God the Father, the Creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you. We look at words that are in this uh, scripture like grace and peace, and we, we really rarely think about their implications to us, God's family. The, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to use these words, grace and peace, if you have read his letters, over and over and over again in his letters to believers. Check it out. It's in your inbox also. He used the word, he used the idea in the Greek of grace and the Hebrew idea of peace. If you understand the Bible, the Old Testament uh, was written in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. Well, he used different meanings. Grace contains the meaning of receiving something completely, we sang about it this morning, completely undeserved. You didn't receive salvation or become a candidate for salvation because you managed to be the only one in your family ever went to college. It was undeserved. It doesn't matter if you only got grade six, which my dad did, or you graduated from college like I did. It makes no difference. It's the grace of God. That's coming to your life. And he says, and peace contains the idea of enjoying inner tranquility undisturbed by external circumstances. Are, are we getting this? Paul wasn't using a term from the 60s, from the hippie generation when he said, peace, bro. He wasn't talking about that at all. He, and like for some of you this morning, uh, um, and, and I, I'm not sure whose, whose name I should use that I can uh, get away. Maybe Sheila, Sheila Rutledge. <laughs> Sheila, the Lord has given you peace. You can enjoy inner tranquility that's undisturbed by all the things that are going around that's not good. And I could put anybody's name in there. John, Jim, or Fran. And, and we could go all through the church with all. Look at the me. Put your name in, that, in there. It contains the idea for you of enjoying inner tranquility, tranquility undisturbed by external circumstances. That's why Jesus, when he stood in the boat, the storm was crazy and the waves were coming. The poor disciples were soaked. I guess Jesus must have been too. He was in the same boat, but he was having a nap. And he got up and said, peace, be still. I, I, that was more than just for the water. It was also for the disciples. Because he said to them, where's your faith? I'm with you. Check out the source. See, all of a sudden, the stuff in your inbox takes on a whole new and awesome meaning that fits for everyday living in this angry, mean world. 
Look at the scripture again. I'm reading it over and over because I want you to get it. May the God, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you, you can put your name there, grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now that word, those words, who has blessed us, if you've noticed the tense, it's past tense. It's not talking only somewhere beyond the blue. And, and I love the songs about heaven and how good it's going to be when we get there. But I can tell you right now, Jesus uh, he died so we can go to heaven. But he also died according to what he said, that you might have an abundant life here on this earth as a Christian in spite of what's going on around you. That's the re reason Jesus died. We believe in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. From God's point of view, the work is done. The deal is signed. It's a done deal. And sometimes we need to have the boldness to, to point our finger at, we don't see the devil, don't point that at anybody because they might think you're saying to them, devil, the deal has been signed for my life. I already am so focused on the source. I know who my Redeemer is. Hallelujah. I know who's coming for me. You can beat me up if you want, if you think you can get away with it. But I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm convinced that he's coming for me and he's going to look after me while I'm living here. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, give the Lord a praise offering. Hallelujah. The promises are waiting for us to possess them. So, as old Spurgeon said, as, as without him you can do nothing, so without him you can possess nothing. Well, let, let me show you something else that illustrates this. Check your inbox. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk in computer ease. File number six. It is in the Old Testament. That's very simple. Book number six, which is Joshua. Remember Joshua in the Old Testament when he stood on the banks? Is there a picture there? I think I put a picture. Yeah, right there. Joshua is on the other side looking across. This, what you see here, the fort being, that hadn't happened yet. So he's on the banks of Jordan. He's looking across, but he's been told by God, that land over there that you see by faith, and you see the land, you see the, 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 that strong, uh, uh, impenetrable uh, Jericho. That, that's yours. I'm giving you that, even though you haven't crossed the Jordan yet. And, and God didn't tell Joseph, uh, Joshua that there wouldn't be any battles. He didn't tell them that there wouldn't be enemies to deal with. He did, but he did tell them that every piece of land their foot touched would be his. The Lord's got a word for you this morning. Even, the, even as the land was Joshua's, but he still did not possess it. You know what? You need to possess what the Lord has given you. If I took the keys of my truck, and I'll use Jordan again. And I said to Jordan, he might not want to put the gas in my truck, so he might not even want them. But, but I said to Jordan, here are the keys. Go and drive it away. Does the truck belong to Jordan? Of course, I just gave him the keys, told him it's his. Has he taken possession of it yet? No. Not until Jordan goes out in that parking lot, gets in it, and drives away. So now before Jordan can go out and get in the truck and drive it away, Jordan would have to believe that I own the thing, first of all, and that I had the power to give it to him, and that I really wanted to give it to Jordan. And maybe that's our problem. We don't know what is already ours. Jesus has already said, this is yours. And we're not sure. Well, maybe he doesn't have enough in the bank. Maybe the check is going to bounce. Anything that the Lord has promised is not going to bounce. The Lord's promises are yes and amen to all those that will believe. And let me share you with this exercise that I found 
And if you want to write it down, it's on the, on the screen. Do I believe that God owns what I need? Do I believe that God owns what I need? Secondly, do I believe that God has the power to give me what I need? And thirdly, do I believe that God wants to meet my need? Do I? See, two things. We need to know and believe that God has everything we need for our pilgrimage on this earth. And secondly, we also need to personally begin to possess what he's already given us. Think about that. Folks and brothers and sisters, there's a lot of cool and good stuff in our inbox if we'll just check it out. The deal has been signed already by the only one who could give what was promised. We could spend all our lives as Christian Fellowship Church writing music about the deal, talking about how good the deal is, teaching about the deal, but never live with the benefits of the deal. I read one author's insights on why we never live in the benefits of this, and he said the reason is, quote, because we aren't willing to cross over the river and fight the spiritual battles that, battles that must be fought in order for us to take possession of what is rightfully ours. We aren't willing to cross over the river and fight the spiritual battles that must be fought in order for us to take possession of what is rightfully ours. Go back to Joshua again. Remember, Joshua was reminded of by, of by God before he possessed what was promised. This is what God said to him in Joshua 1 and 9. This, this, is, this was my verse last year because I was praying the Lord give me more boldness and more courage. He said to Joshua, this is my command for, for you, Joshua, the leader. And, and this is for you this morning. Someone, this is, someone needs to get this this morning. You really do. For beginning 2018. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Someone needs to receive that this morning. But he's saying, I am the one who promised you, God speaking, I am the one who's promised you, focus on the source. This is for someone. Joshua went in confident the confident belief that God was with him and that God had already guaranteed victory. So the message to the church today is check out the mail from God to you. It's been sitting in your inbox, ignored for far too long. It is time to read it and believe it's not spam. It's not fake news. Just a couple questions as I close. What would happen to Christian Fellowship Church if we all became God chasers? Believing God for what we haven't seen yet. I just wonder. I wonder. I wonder that about my own life. See, because faith in God seems to be the key to possessing the promises that are in the inbox. Let's end on this thought. The degree of our faith is based upon our intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Pretty clear. Pretty clear for me. So what is it? You must trust the source for in 2018. We all have personal things. What is it you must trust the source for in 2018? Let us bow as the team is, are coming back.
I just want to pray for you. And then I got a couple of instructions. And, and uh, if you if you have to leave uh, your guest here, when, feel free. We, we, we understand that. We just we just want to linger just for a few moments uh, before we do an official dismissal. But if you have to leave, feel free uh, to do that. We thank you for coming today. Father, these are just three verses from that file. They've been in our inbox for years. Sent to us by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. And we thank you, dear Lord God, that it reminds us of who the source or the focus of our source should be. We need to be focused on you this year, regardless of what happens, regardless of what really throws us for a loop, regardless of what blindsides us, because there's going to be things that's going to happen. It's going to happen. That It's part of life. You told us that. So, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning who are right now just wondering, why not me, Lord? Why not me? And the Lord is saying, I, I am not, I don't play favorites. The promises and blessings that I gave are for you also. So, Lord, I'm praying right now that you would encourage every one of us and build up our faith today that we receive what's in the inbox. Minister by your spirit to every single person. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As the, the uh, group is preparing to sing, I, if you're a non-believer this morning, I would encourage you to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. And if you would do that, I mean, it's, very, it's, it's a simple way, thing to do, to pray the, 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 the sinner's prayer, as we call it. Uh, to walk the life, you, you need to possess the promises of God and believe them in your own heart. And if you, if you do that this morning, or if you're interested in that, please talk to one of us or just mention that you are interested. Or even check it off in the box at Connected Us on the way out. For believers here this morning, and, and this is who the letter was predominantly written to, you're looking for greater faith, greater intimacy. I, I'm going to ask you to do something. First of all, would you stand right now? And I'm not trying to embarrass anyone or put anyone on the spot whatsoever. This is just the way I felt and I don't end service uh, uh, when I speak usually like this all the time. But what I, this is what I'm asking you to do. If you're saying to yourself, you know what, I heard the message uh, about being correcting my course according to the word. And now this morning I've, I've heard this, that I need to refocus who I'm trusting and who my source for focus on the source again of, of all the things that the word has promised. And, and, I, and I, there's a lot of things I need to help be help, need help with in my life, and if 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 you're you're saying you know what I I really want to commit to trust the source this year, not only in the good days but every day through every storm, I I just need to trust the Lord. What I want to do as they're singing, I would you like for you to come and just stand near the front, we're, and we're going to close right after. We're not prolonging. We're not trying to make things happen. We're just saying, would you come and stand just for a moment? And what you're saying is when you're standing there, is Lord. I want to trust you for everything this year. Somehow, would you help me change my even my thinking and and my how easy I get offended and how easy I get my back off? It could be a lot of stuff. I don't know what it could be. Uh, like for this year, for me, I'm praying that that my the way I think and the way I talk would be more pleasing to the Lord. That's just that's just me. What I feel I need to do for my life, the Lord to do for my life this year, and I need to to get involved in that. So if, you, if you're saying, you know what, I, I just want to commit to trust the source this year. 
uh, well, as they st- begin to sing, would you come up right away? And then once they finish the song, I just want to have, uh, have another prayer for, for the church and for those that come to the front. If you say, you know what, I don't, I really don't like coming up and being centered out like that, uh, then will you make the commitment in your seat? Because we're, we're not, you just do what you feel. But this is what I'm asking, if you would, to do that, and then we'll, we'll have a prayer for you.